knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Luganville. Thank you very much for joining me. Before we get to this recap and rant, let's give another uh, quick commercial for Premier Flight Outfitters. There's a spring snow goose season happening right now, and uh, I will be headed there very shortly to guide in South Dakota. So if you have not made plans to do that yet, uh, I would recommend calling Dean at Premier Flight sooner than later. Uh, because things are filling up really fast. The spring is uh, moving in really fast. Um, from the winter storm we just had to, I mean, it was like a week ago there was birds in, in Arkansas, and I'm sure there's still some there. But just today as I record this, there are reports of birds hitting South Dakota right now. So it's happening super fast. Come out home with me. That would be awesome. I do need to make a correction from last week when I said this. I said I hadn't hunted with a listener yet, and that was not true. As uh, Then I remembered T-Bone. I duck hunted with T-Bone last fall a couple times. So I have hunted with somebody uh, that was a listener. So, But I had a good time with T-Bone. So I would like to do that some more. So if you want to come out, hunt with me, give Dean a call. With Premier Flight Outfitters, let's get on some spring snow goose, goosin', goose hunting, and uh, yeah, that'd be a good time. So, all right, let's get on with the recap and rant. Recapping puts us at last Friday. I had an unexpected day, uh, available day, so time to do some more pre-fishing and scouting for the upcoming final event for Minnesota Made Outdoors, which was Sunday. So Friday, we hit the lake, and we go to check out an area that we hadn't fished, um, but it was close to an area where we had found some good fish. But we seen some, uh, to be honest, we saw some locals up there, and they were slaying them. So we're like, well, I don't know what's over there, but we're going to have to go check that out. So Friday morning gave us that opportunity. We slid up there. Um, just looking at old holes and that is how we found the spot and uh, started fishing it. We did not have to drill very many holes, and it was just like one right after another. I mean, well, I should say Austin was catching one right after another. I was still struggling a little bit. I mean, I was catching him, but not nearly at the rate that he was. I don't think he moved from his original hole for like the first half hour, and it had that been a tournament event, we would have had a, a pretty decent bag within like the first half hour, 40 minutes. So we thought we were on to something good there. We left that spot um, and then went, proceeded to go check out some some other places. And, and then, you know, that's just kind of how it went. We didn't really find much after that uh, bite. We'd find fish, but the they were super spread out, really finicky. Um, 
It was kind of, that lake is kind of weird. Like, there's that one spot they seem to be willing to bite, and everywhere else you really, really had to work for them. And this lake is, like, pretty big. I think it's, like, six miles from tip to tip, north to south. Long and slender lake. Um, We ran all over. It, it ended up becoming, like, one of those days where you're eliminating water. you're like okay well that wasn't a very good spot on to the next spot and we did kind of run some uh, double check some spots drop some pins on spots that we had found the weekend before some of those weren't panning out Um, we just weren't finding finding the fish there that we did a weekend prior so it kind of had us scrambling a little bit there's there was a particular spot that we left alone because um, we didn't want to draw attention to it. We had found this the weekend before. We had found this, um, I don't know, we call it the stick because I, I guess I don't know what's down there, but there is something that would show up on our electronics, but only in the one hole. And, like, I drilled multiple holes around it just a few feet away, thinking maybe we found a crib or something, and, no, we didn't mark anything there um, could have put this to rest with live scope pretty easy but we don't have it and need it badly <laughs> uh, but we don't so anyways the stick that we had found the weekend before you could see there was fish using it they were underneath it uh, whatever that structure was and you could get them to come out and every fish we caught off of that piece of structure whatever it was was a better than average crappie like a 12 incher really nice and we didn't fish it a lot we just kind of checked it with so the one day when we found it um we checked it one more time like later in the day and sure enough plucked another really good crappie off of it it's like you were one and done though it was like one of those spots you had to like let it recharge kind of um so when we left Found some other spot, you know. Obviously, we dropped the pin on it, and then kept going. So we checked that. We didn't check that spot on Friday. I was leaving it alone. I didn't because people were fishing all around it, getting dangerously close to it. I just didn't want to draw attention to that spot in case because there's a lot of teams that do have live scope in case somebody else stumbled upon that spot. Because we're if, if that pattern would hold all the way to tournament day, well, that could be a really nice ace in the hole to be able to pluck off better than average crappies um, instead of just you know and it was a spot that you could hopefully that you could count on instead of just drilling on a basin and hoping for the best like you knew where that spot was you could drop down catch that fish Um, so we were leaving it alone on purpose playing a little defense on it and um, so we didn't check that Friday but oh back I'll I'll go back to that last Sunday so we did check it Sunday one time we were going to leave it alone and then Joel was close to it. He's like, I'm just going to slide in there. And he came back, and he was, like, smiling. He's like, uh-huh, yep, <laughs> caught a good one out of there. I'm like, all right, sweet. So that's they're still on there. Hopefully that, that pattern holds for tournament day. And uh, so let's get back on track to that Friday and running around fishing. We caught some really good fish here and there. Uh, but, again, just really not outside of that spot that we had found in the morning. And then that stick, which we didn't really fish that day, that we were just hoping would, would stay that way, we're, we kind of made a deal to stay off of that until until tournament day. Um, so we hadn't really found much we were hoping. Now, in that general area of that stick, which was convenient, we did find pods of, of slightly better crappies. So we were also kind of staying out of there because it was a smaller school. And knew that those could get beat up pretty easy. And again, we fished. Oh man, we ran all ran all over that lake and uh, just could not could not find them. And then some people had been catching smallmouth out there, and they're posting their pictures on uh, social medias. And Bubba was blurring out the background. <laughs> they didn't want people to find his spots, um, and they. I guess we're assuming they're cribs. Is we, I don't know. I don't think he even really knew that. We ended up finding that out. There was a particular picture that he had the background blurred out, but there was just enough information on the corners 
that I'm like, I think I can find that spot. They're like, you want to take a break from uh, pan fishing and see if we can't find these smallmouth? So we go down the shoreline. I wasn't quite sure what shoreline it was, but I was just, I was making my best guess. And um, we go down the shoreline, and I see, I start, you know, I'm looking for certain things that are in this picture, um, not knowing if I'm going to find it. But then we pass one place, and I go, wait a minute, hold up, stop right here. So I'm looking, look over. I see what I think is still in that picture. I cross-reference it with what's on the right side of the picture. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is it. And then there's one particular tree that actually had like a branch that came out straight out the side and then did a hard 90 straight up. Pretty unique tree. And I was like, oh, there it is. This is it. <laughs> this is the spot. So we hop out. And then, yeah, you could see the old holes. And we started um, fishing them. And you could tell there was a definitely was a crib down there. Uh, but we couldn't get anything to bite off it, so it didn't really do us any good. To uh, And then later that day, ran to another team, and they had live scope. That was Dan and Ed. And so we live scoped it, and sure enough, there wasn't any. There, there were cribs. You can see them as plain as day on that live scope, but wasn't any fish on them. So my sleuthing did nothing to help, but it was uh, it was kind of fun to to figure out that picture. That's honestly first time I've ever done that for any reason whatsoever. Usually I don't care. Well, I'm not interested in finding somebody's spot, but catch a smallmouth through the ice zone. Like a really good time, and it didn't affect the outcome of the tournament at all, so I didn't feel too bad about doing it. Um, it did feel a little icky, though, if I'm being honest. You know, it kind of felt like you are doing something a little wrong, even though, you know, fair game. I mean, there's a reason why he blurred out the background. But hot tip, Bubba, next time, Blur all of the background out. Don't leave me any information. <laughs> uh, so anyways, we didn't catch any smallmouth, unfortunately. That would have been a ton of fun. And then we continued to fish, um, got back into it. Again, didn't find didn't find a ton. And we didn't fish crazy long. We didn't fish till dark that day. So Saturday rolls around, and um, we we head back out there. Now I gotta remember where did we start? Cause I didn't want to beat on those fish anymore, or you know, again we're leaving that that spot alone. And we went and ran some other spots that we had found the weekend prior, just to kind of spot check and see if they were still there, and found some fish and they're really scattered. But we had got um, snow that morning, and they're just man, it was a different day. It was. No, I'm lying. God, I really need to make notes of this stuff. Saturday was super warm. Windy, though. So Friday was nice and mild. There was hardly no wind. It was just beautiful conditions. Saturday, it was it was pretty windy. And the, and the, um, we were, we were catching some fish. Finding stuff, again, here, and I'm just going to sound like a broken record because that's how this lake pans out like we really again we're eliminating water again running some old spots not finding anything uh staying off of that the spot we didn't want it to go to there was a couple spots we probably should have checked off um but didn't i don't really have a good reason as to why um really should have went and checked out what was going on there because in hindsight after the event found out there was some decent fish caught there. Uh, however, we were solely formulated plan. Uh, my a friend of mine, Amanda was out there and her brother, they did, their parents happened to have a cabin on that lake. So we we're like, all right, let's go, let's go say hi. So we took a break. We went, went and said hi. And um, so Saturday we really started getting sidetracked. We're like at some point in time, <laughs> we're going to find these smallmouth. Really want to catch these smallmouth. And so, um, oh, now it's all coming back to me. So we didn't live scope it on Friday. We live scoped it on Saturday. Bubba's spot, that was a crib. And that's when we found out it was actually a crib. But there was nothing on it that day, if I recall. Yeah, that was it. So Saturday, there was nothing on it. Um, we didn't catch anything on it the first day either. 
I still don't know if that's correct. Ah, getting my facts all jumbled up. Either way, one of those two days we checked it out and they weren't there. <laughs> but we had talked to some other teams that had found some spots. And the whole league Saturday was planned on meeting uh, 2 p.m. in the afternoon to have a, a grill-out session and just hang out. And so we had, we were running around, and I was just driving my truck on that, that I just got back, by the way, uh, for those of you who didn't know. the Just after I get my truck back out of the shop from that accident, then the rear end goes out on it. So that was in the shop all last week. Uh, so I picked that. I had that for Saturday, so we were just fishing out of the truck all day Saturday. And uh, talking to other teams, and they had found some spots. And then so Chris and Timmy – Said so they, they would show us one of their spots, and we set up. We set up there, and there's a bunch of people around. And Joel did catch a did catch a smallmouth, like I think on the first hole, like right away. And then I hooked up on a spot, but this wasn't really these weren't cribs. It was just on like a uh, a break line, a certain depth of water. But so we caught a couple there. That was that was a ton of fun, man. Those fish fight good. And on those short ice fishing rods, if nobody's done it, man, I highly recommend it. That was a good time. And then, uh, so we have we have lunch, and there's lots of talk about smallmouth, and you know what'd you find, and what you know what's going on. Of course, everybody's giving really vague, really vague information, not really giving them much away. Um, but you are hearing similar things, like man, these fish are all over; they're so spread out. Bite's kind of tough, blah blah blah. Um, so as we're formulating our plan for the next day, it's like, well, we got one spot to hopefully. Start at the spot that Austin and I had fished that Friday morning and did really well, and then from there we can try to go upgrade. And we had, we have a couple spots that were good for um, better, really good bluegills, but they're few and far between. So it's a little bit of a risk. Got to drill out the area and and hope to connect on on one of these really just lone roamers. But they were when you get one, they're the right ones. So we had some of those spots. So obviously the plan was to hit that spot first and then go run to our upgrades and then go check out our stick. Well, as we're rolling up for lunch, we're like, um, this is awfully close to our stick spot. Uh, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Good news is obviously nobody's fishing it. The bad news is we're kind of putting a ton of pressure on it just with the vehicle traffic. Everybody was parked there and, and whatnot. So we get there, we pull up, I put it in park, and I'm like, I think those wheelers over there are like right on that spot, right on the stick. Pull up Navionics, let it finally figure out where I'm at, where the arrow stops jumping around all over the place. And sure enough, we're sitting right on it. My Literally, my truck was right on our pin for that stick. <laughs> like, oh, great. Uh, so whatever, we hop out. We have uh, we have some lunch, and then we talked to uh, uh, somebody afterwards. Like, I wanted to go get. We wanted we still wanted to do some more smallmouth bass fishing. None of the people were gonna go smallmouth bass fishing after. Well, the one spot that Bobby and Wyatt had was way on the other end. Now this lake is like a flowage lake. There's a river that runs through it, and Again, I'm in my big three-quarter ton truck. So we're like, well, if I see other vehicle tracks, I'll keep going. But, you know, and they wanted to get back to pre-fishing, but they, they're like, ah, well, we're running down there. So we follow them to the spot. Well, we don't get to the spot. <laughs> we get to an area where I stop seeing truck traffic, and the river's right in front of us. And I'm like, <sighs> there's a lot of ice in this lake. So I, I'm feeling pretty confident. This is one of those times where you need to be 100% confident. <laughs> and so we're like, I just don't want to risk it. We just parked the truck, and they were dragging a sled behind them with all their gear. They were on a snowmobile. So literally Joel and I grab our rods and our Vexlars and hop in the back of this sled, tear off across the lake just to go smallmouth fishing. And we pull up on the spot, and there's just a few holes there. And we, I mean, we are fishing shoulder to shoulder right on this crib and they have live scope and that was the first time i'd seen live scope in action before but i never really fished with it myself that was the first time i actually fished with it and it was crazy like the four of us fishing right on you know shoulder to shoulder 
we can all see our lures and the fish and the structure down there on the same screen. It was like, oh, here comes one on that side. And then, yeah, we started we were catching some uh, smallmouth, and it was awesome. Well, Joel was getting pretty frustrated because he was not getting bit. And <laughs> meanwhile, everybody else is setting hooks, and he was getting pretty frustrated. But he did finally connect. And then we caught some, and then and then we're like, all right, let's we gotta let these guys get back to pre-fishing because I only had the one day to pre-fish. So we're like, all right, let's let these guys get back to it. So hop back into the sled, bring us back to our truck, and then uh, then I went and said hi to uh, Amanda and her brother Jesse was out there. I work with their iron workers. I've worked with both of them. Good people. She hooked us up with some cookies that were bomb, super bomb cookies. Uh, and then not the, not those kind of cookies or brownies. Yeah. Not that I'm super opposed to that. I'm just saying they weren't that kind, but they were really good though. Chocolate macadamia. I think they were, Oh my God, they're so good. And then we, uh, we went and fished a little bit more, went back to some of our original spots. Again, we're kind of laying off of our spots that were kind of agreed to, are going to be our tournament spots at this point. And man, we the the bite just kind of picked up. We started catching a ton of fish, um, crappies mostly, with some bluegills mixed in. And we're like, hmm, maybe there's something to this spot. And then uh, and talking to some other people, like, oh, this this time of day. And so it was it was later in the day. Someone was getting down there behind the trees. So it's not like it was kind of a low light spot. Probably could have started the day there, um, you know, low light in the morning. But we didn't really catch that many gills in that spot and we just figured we kind of felt like gills were going to be a big part of this event as far as finding those better gills um consistently because you could get them in the morning and then it seemed like once the sun got up they got they they got really tough to bite i mean there it's it was a grind after that and uh, so that was that last day of uh last day of pre-fishing brings the event on the way up there, it's a snowstorm. Like, we didn't get a lot. We got about four inches, I suppose, overall. But the roads were, weren't that great. And it covered up, you know, tracks and old holes. And uh, thankfully, you know, we have our pins. And so we go to our first spot. My phone decides to not, you know, we're finally, last event to the season, we're finally flight one. Might pan out. We can get on this good spot. Because we had seen other teams fishing pretty close to there, if not on that spot, uh, pre-fishing before. So we're like, oh, well, at least we can get to the good spot first. So we're tearing up over there. We've got my phone open. The Avionics app is going. And suddenly, like, my phone decides it doesn't want to work anymore. So now I can't even get on the spot that I need to. And I think it was just because it was wet because it was snowing and my hands were cold or something. Like, it wasn't registering that I was touching the screen. So nothing was working. I had to throw the phone in my pocket my hoodie pocket and kind of let it dry out and warm up and we overshot it a little bit and we drilled some holes um and we we're marking some fish i'm like i just don't think this is the spot so i don't know five ten minutes later i break out my phone and I'm like it was working and i'm like yep it's down there we didn't miss it by much but we listed missed it by maybe 50 yards or so so we go back that spot drill it out and uh, we do start catching some fish and by we i don't mean me Joel was putting fish in the box, some crappies, and we weren't getting our gills. I couldn't buy a bite. I mean, um, Sean, Lanky, and Hunter, Hunter Lanky, they were fishing real close to us, and they were getting bit. I was, the first, like, 45 minutes, I didn't add a fish to the box. I'd caught one short crappie. I think it would have been legal, but I I was like, we were already creeping up on a crappie limit, so I'm like, I'm not even going to keep this stupid thing. Which I didn't, which really should never do, be, and I'll get to that later. That Well, it didn't because we ended up getting our crappies, but if had that been a bluegill scenario, that could have been real bad. Um, if y'all remember last year when Joel and I won on Clearwater, it was one of those little crappies that were, you know, barely legal. It was eight and a half inches and eight-inch minimum for crappies that actually won us that event because that was our – full limit which gets that bonus fish so sometimes those little fish can be big fish if you don't have your full limit so anyways gambled a little bit didn't keep that fish 
But I don't know when I was changing lures, trying this, trying that. Um, nothing was working for me. I don't, I don't know what I was doing wrong, but I was getting pretty frustrated that first hour. But then it started to turn around, and I started catching some fish and uh, finally started adding some fish to the cooler. And, uh, again, just weren't really getting weren't really getting our gills. Um, by the time we left that spot, I think we had – we were – one gill short, I think. And we had multiple crappies. We were over our crappie, over the crappies that we need, so we were going to have to sort through them and, um, you know, do some, hopefully do some upgrading and size checking later. But I think when we left that spot, we had like, I don't know, 10 crappies and six bluegills. But a couple of those bluegills were real nice. I mean, real nice. So we, we felt pretty good about that. Hopefully we could stop at some other spots and upgrade, um, if at all possible. So we tear off, and we check. Um, let's see, did we go to our... I'm trying to think if we ran to our stick spot, which we might have. Or did we fish our way down? Oh, I don't remember. It's all such a blur. But I will just jump to the stick spot. So we go to the stick. Can't find it. Just can't find it. I, the snow had covered up our tracks, our old holes. Um, I knew I should have, like, paced because it was relatively close to shore. I should have paced it off from shore, and that might have helped. But, you know, you have some level of faith in your technology, you would hope. But the Navion Navionics app, I guess, really only gets you so close because I was right on the pin and I drilled probably a dozen holes right on that pin and never found that structure and again it was a small piece of structure like you had to be right on it you couldn't be three feet off it you had to be right freaking on it uh and we we just could not find it so it was kind of the, one of those things like well what do we do do we keep looking for it I mean because again I mean if they were there and it panned out we we're getting better than average crappies then that would be huge because we didn't really have good crappies. We had our crappies, but they weren't they weren't the ones you wanted to you wanted to weigh in. I think our largest was ten and a half inches, and there's twelve inches swimming in there, and we kind of felt like you needed an average of elevens to be competitive. Well, we definitely didn't have that. So, but you only have so many batteries, and as spread out as these fish were, we knew we were drilling a lot. I was like, I just I don't know. I don't know how much longer we can try to find this thing. Clock's ticking. And so we kind of bailed on it. And so we fished that area that was holding better crappies. And I think we caught one right away. And then that was, then that was that. So we left that spot. Um, tried our other gill spot. Didn't get any, nothing was going there. So then it was, let's go back up and start fishing our original spots and time is just it's amazing how fast time flies in these things really like it seems like pre-fishing and, and scouting takes forever and then actual tournament day flies by now granted you do get to fish all day like from sun up to sundown when you're pre-fishing and that's not the case weigh-ins at you know two o'clock so we uh we get up there and we're like um we need one more bluegill we don't have our full limit right now. This is not good. And uh, we, you know, talked to some other teams, and we're kind of here. They're in, in the same boat that we are. We're like, well, maybe a full bag will play. It sounds like a lot of people don't, you know, with a couple hours left. Sounds like a lot of people don't have, uh, don't have full bags, including us. So let's fish hard. And we're like, do we want to go back to our original spot, or do we want to work some of these other pins uh, that we had dropped earlier that we had found gills on and that we kind of opted for that and we're you know started drilling around of course everybody's got old holes we're drill new holes everybody's running around just freaking out the teams that don't have that don't have their full limits and uh just get we're marking fish and just can't get in a bite continue to catch a couple crappies here and there not that that's helping because they're not the upgrades that we needed um and finally i catch a bluegill and it's about four inches long <laughs> like, oh, finally get one to bite, and then nothing. 
Like, oh my god. And I had dumped a couple fish earlier in the day, and I didn't get to see them, so I don't really know if they were crappies or bluegills. I have a feeling at least one of those was a really good gill, but it feels better to just hope it's not <laughs> at this stage when you're like so just need that last one. And so a clock's ticking and just keep grinding. I think there was like half hour left maybe, 40 minutes tops, and I stick a fish, I reel it up, and it's a keeper gill. Oh, yes. So I went from being like, what a what a change one fish can make. So I went from being like super down in the dumps to pretty dang happy and then relaxed. I'm like, all right, had a, we got our bag. And at this point, I didn't feel too confident that we had a good bag, that we were going to be that competitive. But it's like minimum goal of let's get a full bag. And so we had that. So we kind of kept fishing that area. And... uh well, we got to experience some other people's highs and lows because Tony Dahlberg was out there, and he was in the exact same boat. He needed one more uh, gill for their bag. And while we are fishing there, he catches a gill, and there's hooping and hollering, and we're like, all right. And he runs over to the bump board, and it's short. It's like six and three-quarter, and it needs seven-inch minimum. He's like, oh, it's under. And I was like, oh, everybody around him was like, oh, that's not good. So then we were like, well, we, we're going to try to upgrade. Let's, let's, we beat this area. I'm like, let's, let's find, we only have like a half hour, but let's make a little move. We got some old pins up there that we haven't really, let's go check it out. If there's fresh snow there, like where people haven't drilled, maybe the pressure will push them off and maybe we'll find something there. So we go there and we drill it out and we, we start to fish and we start fishing <laughs> and Nothing really happens. I did end up catching a couple more bluegills, um, keepers, but no real upgrades. Um, threw them in, you know, because we're going to weigh them all anyways. We'll try to squeeze out every single ounce that we can. And uh, just ran out of time. Everybody starts heading back to landing. And, and thankfully at this point, like, these spots are pretty close to where the landing where we started. So that didn't – that we were pretty much able to fish right to the buzzer uh, for all the good it did us. And then uh, head in. So we had a bag. We, you know, you start talking. How did you guys do? How did you guys do? And you start comparing notes. And it seemed like it was tough for a lot of people. But um, I don't remember what the breakdown was, how many people had full bags versus how many didn't. Um, but there was still a fair amount of full bags caught and some good ones. And as we were weighing in, we knew we had the one really good gill. And we are watching the teams weigh in. And... We're pretty sure we, at least the teams that already weighed in, that we had big gill for the day. And it was right at 9 inches. Then what was it, 0.6, I think it was, something like that. And, uh, yeah, so we go and we weigh in, put our fish on the scales. I think we were just under 8 pounds, which is better than what we thought we had. Um, but it was, you know, by then a bunch of other teams had weighed in. So I think we were... We went into the event either at 11, 14th or 11th place. I don't remember. Um, so there's a lot of teams that that were before us that weighed in because it goes from the bottom up. Um, so our bluegill weight was hanging on. There was something that got super close to it but was still hanging on. So when we weighed in, we did end up having – we were a new gill leader for a while, new big gill. Uh, crappies just were not impressive at all. That's If we could have just got some better-than-average crappies, that would have – would have helped immensely, but we didn't. Um, and then we got dethroned off of our gill spot. I think um, it was Timmy and Chris that bumped us off by like 0. .04 ounces, like just barely. So the wick we had a nine inch, and they must have had like a nine and an eighth or something. You know, it was just slightly bigger. But you say ounces matter, even fractions of an ounce matter when it comes to stuff like that. So. We lost Big Gill. Overall, we came in 11th place. I did score some nice Kenders uh, T-Rips. So that was, and some jigs. So got a decent prize off the table, uh, but couldn't couldn't crack that top 10. I mean, it just really boils down to just wasn't, just wasn't our year. You know, the only, the only tournament this season that I really beat myself up for 
was the very first one on Maple where I, I felt like we left a lot on the lake. Like we could have pre-fished smarter, harder, more efficiently. And then even game day, there was decisions I didn't make um, that I should have made voice in the back of my head saying to do it and we didn't do it. So that's the only one that I had like a ton of regret on that might've helped our, if we would have done better on that lake, you know, it's hard to say because had we had done better on that lake, overall focus might have changed because we came in, I was like 17th or something stupid. Like that shot our season hopes of team of the year um, right away on, on lake number one. You know, so what kind of psychological damage does that do as far as your focus for the rest of the season? It's hard to quantify that. Uh, I'd like to say that it didn't, that we went into each lake. You know, we did definitely go into uh, Waconia more focused and determined to really tear that lake apart, which I felt we did a pretty good job at. Um, but it just wasn't, I don't know, just wasn't in the cards for us. I think we came in 11th on, on that day too. So never never cracked the top 10. No, we were right 10th place. We were 10th on Waconia. So we only cracked top 10 one event this season. Um, looking back on it, you know, every event, and this I'm not like bitching or complaining. It's just like this is just how, how our year went. The fish we had the day before the event and the day of the event, they changed. Like every day our fish were gone. And that's just, and we didn't, we zigged and we should have zagged. Um, and I think that's just, that's just how it goes sometimes. This league has gotten a lot better. Like all the teams got better. And the new teams that came in, Bobby and Wyatt, they're solid. Um, Travis and Jim, they're very solid. They finished second overall. Um, so they you know, came in and just started kicking some butt. And uh, Nick and Leif, hats off to you guys again for uh, Team of the Year. You're just consistent. They didn't, it wasn't a clean sweep this year like they had last year where they went first, first, second, first. Uh, but they did win one lake, and they were consistently in the top five. You know, they're usually like second place if they weren't first, second or third, I think it was. So um, just that consistency is huge in in, in this kind of event. Um, but Sunday – um, Dan and Ed. Ed's new to the league. Ed's also an iron worker. I've worked with Ed. He's a good dude. And apparently a really good fisherman, too. So congratulations to Dan and Ed for uh, Cross Lake Champions. I think they may have finished in is it third place overall. Oh, I should have pulled up the should have pulled up the standings. I don't have them. But they, they finished well. They were consistently in the top. And uh, yeah, it just... Uh, you know, I, I gotta take time and reflect back and just go. Well, this wasn't wasn't our year. So, uh, do have on schedule to talk to Giz and Jake. We're gonna do a season wrap up here. That'll be uh, this week's main episode, Thursday episode. Um, well, probably won't be Thursday's episode because I'm recording it Thursday. I'll release it Friday. How about that? And then, uh, yeah. Oh, I want to. So, uh, speaking of Giz, Giz and uh, Evan, they took third place. Yes, third place on a cross. So it went Giz and Evan third, Nick and Leif second, and then Dan and Ed for first place. That was that was your top three. Uh, so I because usually um, Giz is doing the interviews for our weigh-in that we do on. Uh, well, Facebook and YouTube or whatever. And so he was one of the winning teams. I had to, well, I didn't have to. They asked me, so I agreed. So then I did the interviewing for that for that event. Um, but, you know, it gives me a chance to soak up some information, right? Let's get some, let's get some deets. <laughs> uh, it was fun, though. I, I enjoyed it. So we did that. Look out for that. If, you, if you're not following Minnesota Main Outdoors, uh, please do. Go give them a like on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube. Because that's where we're, uh, we put the the way in and stuff like that, and and it's not just Minnesota made in the way in. We also include um, the UPL for that, so you can kind of get get caught up on on both of those things. So 
there it is. That uh, that's the Minnesota made twenty twenty one season. Um, feels weird that it's over. Like it's it's all fun fishing from here, except I won't be doing any fun fishing because I have to tear off. I got to put the rods away and get the hunting stuff out because I'm pretty much going straight to uh, South Dakota and get ready for the spring snow goose hunt so the spring conservation season so you can expect the weekend recaps and rants to uh take a bit of a turn as far as subject wise goes it's going to go uh, back to hunting for a little bit and then uh suppose that's done well it's it's spring now so i get back from that sometime in april there's going to be turkey hunting i suppose i'll do my feeble attempts at that again this year uh, fishing for sure, and I think we're going to have an early spring, early ice out, which is going to be awesome. Um, Wisconsin changed their regulations, and you can catch and release for bass all year round. So the moment the ice is off, uh, Joel and I will be bass fishing. And uh, then you start getting into May and morel fishing and pan fishing as the, as the ice leaves the lakes up here in Minnesota. Turkey season will still be going on and then boom i don't want to r- rush anything but next thing you know it's summertime we're off to the races bass fishing tournament bass fishing and yeah so it's gonna be busy i'm looking forward to it so uh, another quick reminder if you want to get in on the spring snow goose stuff give dean a call with premier flight outfitters and let's go hunting all right let's th- there's your recap let's get into the rant today for the rant today um little more infighting kind of stuff i was i I, honestly i've been fighting with these these wolf stuff anti-wolf hunters you know crowd all week long on social media but i'm not gonna do that not getting into that but i did see another article and it's still kind of in the anti-hunting realm except for there's a little bit of what do you want to call it? Self-inventory we need to take as hunters in this issue. The It's trophy hunting. And what is the difference between trophy hunting and regular hunting and just hunting? I think we as hunters need to get away from using that word. Um, it brings up, you know, a negative connotation. that It really is only ever used in a negative fashion. And as a hunter, it doesn't really matter. You know, the thing is, the the reality of it is a trophy hunt, you're still utilizing the animal. And you still eat the animal. I mean, it's, it's not like it, you, you chop its head off and leave the rest to rot out in the field. But that's kind of like the, that's kind of like public perception of it. And you see a little bit of it in the infighting when you look at these, Facebook groups and social media pages where, you know, you get the guys that you shouldn't be shooting smaller deer, and then you got the the meat hunters that are like, you know, they they kind of demonize the the antler hunters a little bit, and I just don't think we have the luxury of that kind of infighting. And and I get that the people that are super into whitetail deer, you want you know good deer management and antler point restrictions and and grow bigger bucks, and and I get. I understand all that, but I also understand the other argument for people that they don't care about antlers. They just want to go out and and get some meat for the freezer. Um, So I don't, I try not to pick too strong of a side one way or the other on that because I can see both sides. But this trophy hunting thing, and I think a lot of it kind of comes from, and it really, it's it's a self-perpetuating problem, but not by hunters, but by those that think they're helping these animals out when they ban, you know, like uh, if you go on an African hunt and you can't bring back, you know, one of the first things was you can't bring back the meat. Well, now it does. So the only thing you can bring back is the skin and the head and the antlers or the, the horns or whatever, depending on the animal or tusks, as it were, if it was an elephant. So they kind of created this problem, kind of created this image, but we as hunters are the ones that have to pay for it and have to answer for it. You know, like, oh, you're only shooting them for their antlers. Well, no, I'd have a, I would gladly have a freezer full of kudu steaks if I could, 
but current regulations doesn't allow me to do that. But it still doesn't go to waste. I mean, I know that. You know that. You know, it goes to the, the local people. It goes right back to the villages. They get all the meat, even on a giant elephant hunt. All that meat is, is utilized by the indigenous people there. So um, you try to tell these anti-hunters that, but they just, they're closed-minded. I just saw another another bill coming down the, the, the pike. I don't know. I don't think it was a federal bill. Might have been Massachusetts or something. I don't remember, but um, trying to ban the import of any piece of these uh, African species, which that's just going to hurt those African communities. I mean, that's that's what happens. Um, same thing when they did something similar with polar bears in this country where you couldn't bring polar bears in. Polar bears are doing great. Their numbers have never been better. They're not an endangered species. and But the local perception, or I shouldn't even say local, um, the perception of it from non-hunters is that they are endangered and they're cute and they apparently look cuddly. I wouldn't recommend giving one a hug. I don't think that's going to end up well for you. Um, but, yeah, it, it still has wide-ranging effects because now you can't go up there to hunt them. Well, you can. You just can't bring them back. So who's going to do that? So you hurt these small communities. They're not getting traveling hunters up there. And the, and the people that are doing the majority of that kind of big game travel hunting are Americans and Europeans that have some dollars together. And unfortunately, the people that suffer the most are the people from those small communities. And you're not helping these animals at all. At all. Um if they if those animals don't have value, they're not going to be protected, and that's just the bottom line. But you can't you just can't get that through their thick skulls. Um, but getting back I, getting back on track. Um, so this trophy hunting word, and I don't want to get caught up on words too much. I don't believe in magic words. Uh, I just think we need to be aware of within the hunting community how we at times can disparage other hunters because maybe they are a quote-unquote trophy hunter. And we need to be honest that it's still hunting. We're on the same team. And if they choose to take a higher-risk hunt where chances are they might come back with just a tag because they're looking for that once-in-a-lifetime animal, you know, that's that's their choice. And, and really, that's more small animals for you to just shoot and eat if you're if you're a, a hunt-to-eat kind of a person. But even when they do get that 200-inch deer, sure, they keep the antlers, but they're still keeping the meat too. Like I said, they're not just leaving it on the mountainside. So I think we need to be real careful about how we treat other hunters and what their motivations are. Just because they're different from yours doesn't mean they're necessarily wrong. As long as we're all looking out for the environment, um, for conservation, that's like the we need to have a unified front on that as much as we can. Obviously, we're going to differ on on ideas for that to some extent. Um, but if you hear yourself, you get into one of these debates and you kind of hear yourself really demeaning another hunter. The anti see that and they're taking that ammo that you're giving them and they'll use it against them the trophy hunters in air quotes but they're going to use that same stuff against you eventually because it always comes it it's the slippery slope and it isn't even a slippery slope with the antis it's a cliff which is why you've heard me say before but i just don't i don't give them an inch because because why it hasn't worked you compromise any little compromise you give them they just take it and they want more so i've become pretty unapologetic with them Um, but i think we need to keep the conversation open and going and growing within the hunting community. I think that's super huge. And I would say even in the sportsmen community, sportsmen and women community, because I've seen hunters arguing with fishermen, you know, duck hunters and fall fishermen or whatever the case may be. And I promise you, if you, if you're just a dry fly fisherman and you're a super conservationist in your mind and you sometimes align yourself with, this anti-trophy hunting crowd, they're not going to be thrilled that you're sticking flies in the face of these trout at some point in time. If they if they 
if they win and they ban trophy hunting, then they'll go after all hunting, and then eventually it's going to boil down to fish, I promise you. So don't give them an open door. We have to have this unified front absolutely shut down any attack. And we do need to treat any attack on this outdoor lifestyle. Attack on one of us is an attack on all of us, and we should handle it appropriately. So keep that in mind. Um, be safe out there. Have fun. Uh, change is definitely in the air here in Minnesota. I'm looking at snow right now. We're supposed to have a high in the 40s today and f for the next few days and then 50s next week. So this snow will not last very long at all. And uh, unless we get some kind of winter storm, which we generally usually do, um, late spring winter storm kind of a thing. But I don't think that I don't think that ice is going to last very long in those lakes either. Um, kind of hope we get a little bit of a winter storm, at least in Canada, to slow these birds down, these snow geese. So they're going to blast right through the Dakotas. But there's always some. There, there's some that, that go, those leading-edge birds, they move through right away. But the main chunk, they kind of take their time a little bit. And then those jubies, they really take their time. A little harder to hunt them because they're more spread out. But those sometimes are the ones that you can have some really good days with. So... We still have a few weeks of hunting left. I'm sure there's still, even though there's reports of birds getting into South Dakota, I guarantee you there are still birds in Arkansas. So don't freak out too much. But I, if you're thinking about doing a hunt, do not wait. Because if we knew, learned anything with this COVID stuff is that the outdoor recreations have, they're full on. Like everything's booked. So make plans sooner than later. Give Dean a call while there might still be some openings. And uh, let's let us go hunting. That's all I got for you this week. Thank you for listening to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Quick reminder, make sure you are following me on Facebook, on Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, I haven't done anything on the TikTok, so don't worry about that yet. If I ever, if I ever do, I'll let you know. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would appreciate all of it. All right. Whatever your passion, everybody. Follow it. Full Scale. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.